Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to everyone in the Higher Branch community, a growing community. And as we approach Christmas, uh, a community that is getting really excited about attending our Upgrade Your Life event in January 2020. Now, uh, our platinum tickets have sold out, our uh, VIP tickets have sold out, but there are still some incredible tickets for the Access All Sessions uh, two-day pass. Uh, and I urge you, if you are thinking about attending this event, please, please make the decision soon because it will shape your whole year. That's how much I believe in the experts that are attending this event and who are presenting to you. Plus, it's going to be an incredible social um, uh, event uh, with two incredible experiences at night that we're all very excited to share with you in um, our beautiful Sydney summer. So in today's podcast, I'm flying solo and I want to talk to you about the uh, power of habits. And uh, uh, before I do so, I, I just want to make the point that everyone that knows me or works with me or has been coached by me will know that I'm a big fan of systems. Now, not just in life, I talk about life systems, but I have a business, a banking and finance law firm called MSA National, and I attribute a lot of our success because we have amazing systems. Now, you could imagine if our clients relied purely on the motivation of our staff, our service is going to be inconsistent. But because we have systems for working, so we deliver consistently high service uh, every day, and that is the difference between, I think, greatness and mediocrity. It's not motivation, it's systems. So what do I mean by systems? I'm talking about daily rituals and habits that serve you and make you show up to do the daily tasks that you need to do to build and grow into your best self, rain, hail or shine, without any reliance on motivation. Now, motivation is good to start something new, a behavioral change, but systems is what keeps you on track. And that's why it is critical. That's why they are so powerful because they do not, systems do not rely on motivational. Uh, Whether you wake up feeling like crap or down on uh, something, systems uh, will keep you performing at your best. And uh, so today I want to talk to you about the power of habits and then step you through the bad habits you need to get rid of And hopefully I will get to the five good habits you need to replace those five with. So, and if I don't, I will reserve that for a future podcast. So uh, here goes. So firstly, why are the the, um, habits so powerful? What is the power of habits? What is the power in habits? So I believe we live in an era of self-actualization where everybody you talk to has dreams uh, about achieving things, but so few actually work on their goals. So I've mentioned dreams and goals as, uh, uh, because they are different, right? Dr- uh, I, the difference, uh, I, uh, the, the simple difference is this. Dreams live in your heart. So they ignite passion and excitement. So it brings courage to the surface. But goals, goals live in the mind. Goals are what you need to work on to achieve your dreams. 
So I hope that makes sense and explains the difference because you need to know this to understand what I'm going to say next. Uh, By the way, some people describe dreams as end goals, but it's best to say dreams live in your heart and goals live in your mind. For example, a dream may be to finish a degree uh, at university, but the daily goals are the lectures you need to attend, the texts you have to read, the assignments you need to complete and the exams you need to pass, right? A dream may be to have a loving, intimate relationship with a partner, you know, uh, but the daily goals are the dates you need to schedule, the hours you need to spend time listening and supporting your partner, the tolerance you need to show in times of stress and in conflict. So um, another example is a dream may be to have a fit and sculpted body, but the daily goal is to show up to the gym or park or oval. I don't like to just use the gym as an example. Um, the goal is to also wake early or staying up late to train. The goal is to shop for the right food, prepare and eating healthy, uh, a healthy engineered diet that's suited to your training. So you can quickly see that um, uh, people get uh, easy to get excited about dreams, but they fall over with goals. And that's where systems are uh, for the goals. Systems is what makes you show up every day and deliver on your goals. So I, I outline this, the difference because people confuse goals with dreams all the time. And why is, why is it important for you to know the difference? Because as I said earlier, and this is so important, that's why I keep emphasizing, goals are the tough stuff you need to do daily. Okay. And there is nothing wrong with um, walking towards your t- tough stuff. You know, they, they say walk towards your fears. Well, I say also walk towards the tough stuff. You know, David Goggins talks about this all the time. He's, he says seek your, seek your discomfort because that is where life uh, – uh, that is when life gets easier as you uh, work on your um, – uh, discomfort, you're building emotional resilience and that toughens you up for every part of life. It's like working out, right? The first time you do squats of 40 kilos, it's tough. But as you do them day in, day out, your body gets uh, stronger and it gets easier. Well, it's it's no difference with mental and emotional resilience. So um, let's talk about then habits. Habits are much more powerful than motivation. As I said, habits are what drives the performance of your goals. Habits is what gets you through the tough stuff, the work, the grind, the setbacks, the rejections, the disappointments, the energy dips, and those mornings where you wake up just sore and sick. So firstly, I want to answer the questions uh, from a uh, from a scientific perspective, from a primal perspective, and that is, why do humans have habits? And why do humans have this uh, built-in mechanism uh, for the sowing of habits? But I ask this fundamental question because I don't believe that we have anything by accident. There's either an evolutionary or a creationary reason for every faculty that we have or every design or every built-in intelligence. So I believe that habits are an automation tool of the subconscious mind. So through the repetition of an act uh, that typically yields a reward, humans are wired to delegate tasks for the conscious mind to the subconscious mind. So they end up performing a task without really thinking about it, yeah? 
Oh, so this delegation frees the conscious mind up to focus on new experiences, new ideas, creativity, and other important functions. Um, so, for example, in my business, I say that uh, when we automate uh, things to the subconscious mind, that frees up a person to focus on the high-value, high-touch customer interactions. So when you do the tough stuff and you delegate that to the subconscious mind through the power of habits, suddenly you're doing hard stuff without even realizing it. And that frees your energy, frees your attention bandwidth to focus on the important stuff. So, you know, we don't want to use the conscious mind to tie shoelaces or brush our teeth, right? It's a waste of attention bandwidth. Um, but what if we can use habits to automate actions that are tough but good for us? I mean, really good for us. So this begs the question that then is how do you cultivate a new habit? The, the answer is very simple. It's through repetition and reward. So uh, neuroscience tells us that it takes uh, two lunar cycles to cultivate a new habit. In other words, two months. So roughly 60 odd days. So at first, whatever new habit you're trying to sow is going to be tough. But as you repeat that action, it gets easier and easier. So you need to persist in those 60 days and have willpower at first. And the, the best way to uh, bring willpower to the surface is actually get good sleep, uh, good diet and exercise because those three things boost your energy. And when you have high energy, your enthusiasm follows. And enthusiasm and willpower are really two sides of the same coin. But to make it easier uh, to build willpower, the habits I'll be sharing with you will yield a strong emotional reward. And this is a critical element that makes you more inclined to repeat something until what um, scientists, uh, until you cross what scientists called uh, or call the line of automaticity. This is where the point where this new task that you're performing goes from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind, as I mentioned earlier. So this is the point where this new task um, uh, and life gets easier not because you do not experience issues and challenges, but because you will have the tool set to, to deal with them. Um, and that tool set becomes entrenched into your subconscious. So look, I, I hope that makes sense, but uh, it's basically all about repetition and reward. So if you do a, a tough workout, for example, uh, the best way to repeat it is to schedule it same time every day. But then you need to reward yourself after it. It could be going out to a coffee shop with friends that you worked out with uh, and have a social. It could be going out that night to your favorite restaurant. It's important that you reward every task with with something. And you can, you can be very creative uh, and very simple in the way you reward yourself. So I, I hope that... Um, uh, makes sense and explains the power of habits how, and how you cultivate a new habit. Now, so I want to talk to you about the five habits you absolutely need to instill into your daily life. But before I do so, I want to talk to you about, first of all, the five bad habits you need to break. I, 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 I find that it's almost impossible to sow new habits if you first don't get rid of the bad habits. Now, so that is the process of uh, the science shows that you you cannot um, get rid of old bad habits, but you can re actually replace them. 
uh, with newer habits. And to an extent, that is correct. And, and I believe that science and that research is a little bit outdated because we have some new bad habits in our modern day society that haven't been well researched uh, at, that, um, at the scientific level of uh, whether you replace or, um, uh, or you get rid of. Um, so I believe first you need to be conscious, mindful of the bad habits, get rid of those, and then start replacing them with the good habits. It's virtually impossible to replace your habits if you're not conscious of the bad ones. And as I said, we have some five bad habits that are specific, that are unique um, to the modern way of living that really has crept up probably since 2006 and the advent of the iPhone and and mobile devices. So um, I'm going to now step you through these bad habits and please don't, uh, don't feel like I'm judging you for pointing these bad habits out to you. We all have them. I have them. I work on them. I've worked on them. I've replaced them. So I, I share these with you without judgment whatsoever. I sincerely wish you the best life, which is why I produce these podcasts. And I always come from a place of love. And if you decide to take action, I know it will make a big difference in your life as it has in mine. So I don't share anything with you that I haven't imp- implemented. I always use myself as a guinea pig before I roll out any of my information. So firstly, I don't believe there is a secret to life, nor do I believe in waiting for inspiration or motivation before doing anything. So um, you don't need to wait for anything uh, before you can start working on getting rid of these bad habits, right, and replacing good habits. Uh, you know, recently uh, I bumped into a friend and I said, oh, I invited you to come, you know, do a workout with me six months ago. What, what happened? He said, oh, I'm waiting. I've been walking every day and I'm waiting to get a little bit more fit before I come to the gym. And I, I thought that was uh, a bit contradictory. But anyway, each to their own. I, the best way to actually uh, start something is to do it. Don't wait. It's just another form of procrastination when you say, oh, "I'll start that diet when I've eliminate, um, you know, when I've um, uh, received a blood test to confirm this or that." No, you know the fundamentals of a good diet. You know the fundamentals of exercise. You don't have to wait for anything. You just do it, as Nike says. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I. I, I do believe in a number of in, I, I believe in incremental change that you can make uh, to your habits that compound over time. And I think a lot of people also give up on new habits because they don't see the results, right? They you know they want everyone's impatient. They want results straight away. And I'm one of those people. If I don't see results in the past, I will just give up on it. But life, a great life, is built brick by brick, day by day. There really, really is no other way. So it's important to, uh, for you to know that. And it reminds me of that beautiful analogy shared by Stephen Covey in his book, uh, The Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People. He uses the analogy of the um, bamboo tree. And the bamboo tree, when you first plant it under the surface – does not actually uh, grow for weeks, months. In fact, it takes five years for the first shoot to break through the, the soil. But then as soon as it breaks through the soil and absorbs the sunlight, it absolutely skyrockets. Within six to eight weeks, it climbs up many, many feet. 
And a lot of the times that's a perfect analogy and metaphor for our own life. Sometimes we don't see any results from any new behavioral change or any new exercise or diet or new friendships or new or new course that you're doing or a new job or a new relationship. But you really need to uh, to work on it and wait for the, your fifth year to come around and you'll be surprised at the amazing change that you will see. It's about investing in something. It's not about um, instant return. Just like, you know, the... Um, Wealth creation, its uh, you build wealth uh, by investing into the future, uh, not by spending your money in the present, right? So it's all about delayed gratification. Anyway, let's step through the five bad habits. So the first bad habit is snacking on food all day. And yes, that is a recent phenomena because you may have thought, well, hang on, hasn't mankind done this for many, many years? No. The prevalence of food, our access to supermarkets, to cafes has skyrocketed in the last two decades. Absolutely skyrocketed. I remember 20 years ago, you'd have to drive a few kilometres or you'd have one cafe in a whole region or, or a restaurant. There was, you know, the one Chinese restaurant um, uh, now their food is everywhere. And have a look at the statistics. Uh, the number of uh, fast food outlets has grown something like 5,000% in the last two decades. Now, that is huge. So why is snacking on food all day a bad habit? Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Your body has an intelligence where it naturally heals itself and constantly regenerates and repairs, not just when you are sleeping, but also when you go hungry. But if you are constantly snacking, you never allow your body to enter this state of regeneration and repair. And scientists are now discovering that our bodies are not genetically designed to continuously eat. I mean, that's not a surprise, but it's good when science um, uh, reinforces this, uh, mess, uh, this wisdom, this ancient wisdom. So we need to go hungry. And this has been our way of life for thousands of years. It's only in the most recent spec on our timeline that it has increased. So previously we ate, we rested, and then we hunted and gathered. And in between we went hungry, often. You know, today we're trying to mimic that by calling it fasting. Just go hungry. So uh, sometimes we, we have a primal switch to consume food when it is available. I get that, right? We see food, we want to eat it, right? And that's a switch. Uh, I think they call it the fat switch, right? The problem is that food is available everywhere, as I said. So um, I'm not saying abstain from food, but allow yourself to go hungry by not eating between meals. You should allow uh, roughly between three and five hours between each meal, depending on how large the previous meal was and how much uh, you know, of your macronutrient balance there is. The higher the protein and fat, the longer it's going to take you to digest. So instead of setting a time period, it's best not to eat. Uh, so I don't sit and you know time myself, oh, it's three hours or five hours are up. No, just allow yourself to feel that hunger in your stomach. And I think this, I, I put that as bad habit number one because this will slow your aging down because anything that uh, activates autophagy uh, uh, which is a state of repair and regeneration, slows aging. 
your skin will look better, your eyes, your hair, your nails, your cognitive performance. So that's why it's, uh, this is my number one bad habit you need to break, and that is snacking on food all day. The number two bad habit is snacking on technology and social media. And I know this is a controversial one, and this is the one that has crept in in the last decade. So having on your phone on you the whole time, checking texts, emails, posts, and getting constantly distracted by other notifications is an extremely poor habit that you must break. You know, the first bad habit I shared is bad for your body. This one is bad for your brain and it's bad for your emotions. Is It has, uh, you know, dire consequences on your cognitive performance the next day um, uh, because everything's cumulative. Whatever you do today impacts your performance the next day. It has dire consequences on your relationship, especially if you have children because it trains your brain you know, uh, snacking on technology trains your brain to live out of the moment where you're in constant distraction mode. So your attention uh, diminishes. So your uh, your partner or your kids could be listening to you, but your brain's already switched off. You know, uh, the, uh, no sooner had they finished their first sentence and you've switched off the second sentence. If you find yourself finishing other people's sentences, you know you have a problem with uh, the overconsumption of technology and social media. And you have to look at it as consumption. It's like eating for the brain. Um, So I've been talking about the harmful impact of pop-up notifications since 2009, but now the impact is a lot worse because it is overlaid by the highs and lows of social media likes and the inevitable social comparisons that you will make with all these people living great lives on Facebook, well, apparent uh, great lives, it's very damaging to your mental and emotional health on so many levels. So I highly recommend um, you completely do a, a detox. Now, so this is my solution. Uh, you need to do a digital detox twice a day, not once a year, right? That's what People doing it now once a year around Christmas, that's, that's, that's not the way you, you should live your life, right? Uh, in fact, I say that holidays are a twenty-four uh, uh, had every twenty-four hour cycle, right? So you should have a mini holiday, uh, either watching your favourite movie, going for a walk, socialising with friends, or laying by the pool in summer. Every day, you don't wait, you don't burn yourself out for weeks, uh, experience adrenal fatigue, and then go on a holiday. Well, the same for digital detox. So leave your phone behind whenever you get the chance. Now, I do this when I'm jogging or working out or even when I'm shopping for groceries and definitely attending meetings. I leave my phone behind in my office uh, when I'm cooking and, in the, um, and, of course, in the bedroom. I don't take my phone in the bedroom. You need to make a point of detoxing, uh, I reckon, at least 20 minutes twice a day every day and switch off your phone after 9 p.m. when you get home. That is the time you need to completely detox before you go to sleep. The other solution is to disable your email notifications uh, on your laptop or any any device, in fact. So in her research paper titled, Why Is It So Hard to Do My Work? Professor Leroy from University of Minnesota found that people are less productive when they are constantly moving from one task to another instead of focusing on one thing at a time. So she called it attention residue. And 
Look, if you ask me, it is a real problem if you're trying to be effective and efficient. Otherwise, you are wasting a lot of precious time trying to refocus after the interruption, and this reduces your ability to finish the task quickly and effectively, which means you need to work longer hours for a suboptimal result. And this is what happens to a lot of people. Um, they, they spend so much time at work because they're not operating optimally, and uh, they end up, you know, they have to, uh, you know, uh, pinch that time from somewhere else. So they skimp on socialising with family and friends or um, spending uh, intimate time with their partner. And look, I, I add that last bit because recent research shows that most working couples with children are being intimate less than 10 times per year at the moment. So we have an absolute crisis in relationships from the lack of intimacy. And uh, I believe that this, you know, attention residue, as Professor Reloy, uh, Leroy calls it, is to blame. So I, I hope you instill those two solutions when it comes to that bad habit number two, and that is snacking on technology and social media. Now let's move on to bad habit number three. And again, this is one that has crept in the last couple of decades uh, because, um, well, let me tell you what it is first. It is shallow breathing. Okay. Why is this a bad habit? First of all, shallow breathing triggers your sympathetic nervous system because it tricks your body into thinking that you're under attack, right? Uh, so it triggers your body into thinking uh, that you're um, uh, in a fight or flight response. And the problem with this state is that you cannot digest your food, you cannot sleep, you can't do good work. The other problem with shallow breathing is that it builds up toxins in your body. Yes, toxins, right? So how does it do that? The next time your naturopath talks to you about a detox program, if you're suffering from, um, you know, um, uh, low energy and, you know, bags under your eyes or whatever it is, you know, they usually give you herbal tonics and juice fasts. You might want to remind yourself that 70% of the toxins in your body is expelled by the lungs during proper exhalation. The other 30% is through sweating and elimination. Elimination being, you know, your number ones and number twos. So breathing deeply is the easiest way to actually eliminate toxins. And it's free, right? You don't need herbal tonics or juice fasts. So if you want to know more about that, listen to my podcast with Mark Bunn about the importance of proper breathing. I know it, this should be an innate human you know, uh, faculty, but we've lost that natural ability to breathe. In fact, we are breathing incorrectly and it causes all sorts of postural problems, uh, as well as as well as a buildup of toxins. So now, what are the usual? I want you to look out for the usual triggers for shallow breathing. Number one is driving in traffic. Uh, we tend to shallow breathe when we're driving, uh, when we're at the laptop or the PC. Just think about all these things that I'm mentioning. We we didn't do a hundred years ago, and then for hundreds and thousands of years before then, right? So anything that's just come into our modern day society in the last 50 years is really what's causing this shallow breathing, driving in traffic, being at the laptop or PC, on your iPad or iPhone, sitting for long periods, especially in meetings. We never did that. Um, 
When you are doing things in a hurry, you shallow breathe. When you are focusing on external things, um, like if you're analyzing something on paper, a document. Uh, so I know a lot of office workers are shallow breathing. Uh, and of course, whenever you are stressed, actually there is one more thing, and it's when you are watching dramatic movies, you tend to shallow breathe, right? Again, you look at it, did we watch movies like 100 years ago? We, we didn't, right? So all these unnatural um, activities are making us breathe unnaturally. So what is the solution? Now, it can be very difficult to catch yourself shallow breathing because you will usually do it when you are deep in thought and living in your subconscious, right? It's very difficult to be mindful. So the next best thing is to set an alarm reminder every hour to stop, revive, survive, right? Revive by breathing in through the nose for four seconds, holding it for five and breathing it out slowly for six through your mouth. So I do this four times every hour. Doesn't it, you know? It takes only it only takes sixty seconds every hour, and it's a whole lot cheaper than buying detox pro- programs. I can tell you. Okay, let's move on to bad habit number four, uh, because I fear we're not going to get to the five new habits that I want you to instill. In fact, I will save that for another podcast because I want to really uh, do that justice, do it slowly, methodically, and you understand what these five new habits that you need to sow, everybody needs to sow, irrespective of your genetic type um, or your personality type. Okay, let's move on to bad habit number four, doing things with haste for no apparent reason. Now, we live in a fast world, I get that, but the problem is that we are all now addicted to speed. And as Dr. Joe Dispenza um, uh, states, consequently, we are now addicted to stress. Uh, And so I believe doing things with haste for no apparent reason is a destructive habit. It will destroy your health and your relationships. Eating, driving, working, making love, scrolling, reading, texting, everything if you do those with haste for no apparent reason, puts a lot of pressure on you. And ironically, it makes you slow, it makes you sick, and it makes you stupid. And I use that as an alliteration uh, just for effect so you remember it. Slow, sick, and stupid. So stress makes you slow, sick, and stupid. Stress is called by speed. Right? Speed, for no apparent reason, causes stress, stress causes you to be slow, sick and stupid, which is ironic, right? And I say this with the, I I use the word stupid with the utmost of respect and I'll explain what I mean by that. The science clearly shows that when you do things with haste, the stress you put on your mind and body slows you down and, and makes you ineffective. And the stress hormones, especially adrenaline and cortisol surging through your system makes you physically sick over time. And that's why I said I added uh, sick after slow Um, because it it will impair your digestion. No matter how healthy you eat, you will not be able to absorb what you eat. Uh, It will also, you know, cause trouble sleeping. And once you are having trouble digesting and sleeping, it's a downward downhill spiral from there because they're probably the two most important things for your physical health. 
You know, a lot of people use exercise as therapy to neutralize the effects of speed-induced stress, but the better method is to slow down. There is usually no reason to speed up. I can tell you as a business owner and entrepreneur, I tell my team to slow down. Do your tasks methodically, slower. The customer does not want fast, speedy service. They want slow, methodical service where they feel like they're being listened to. And as the godfather of the slow movement, my favorite man on the planet, Carl Honoré says, I'm not anti-speed, but there is a time for doing things quickly and a time for slowing down. So he's not anti-speed. And I just want to make that. That's why I added doing things with haste for no apparent reason. If you have an apparent reason, like you're being chased by a group of angry teenagers down a dark alley, absolutely. You know, that is the time for speed to get the hell out of there. It then begs the question, how do you know if you are addicted to speed? Okay, I'll tell you the telltale signs. There are five of them. One, you get a rush from meeting self-imposed deadlines. Are you one of those people that sets your own deadline on things that shouldn't have a deadline? You just want to create it because it's a game you play with yourself. You know who you are. I know who I am. I used to do that and I catch myself doing that sometimes. Two, you find it difficult to sit and do nothing for more than 10 minutes. Do you find yourself doing that? Can you just sit under a tree or at the beach and do nothing? Now, being on your phone is not doing nothing. Reading a book is not doing nothing. I mean just sitting there noticing the breeze on your skin and the warmth on your body from the sun if you're sitting at a beach. Okay, the third, third thing is you find it difficult to focus and listen to what the other person is saying. That is another sign that you're addicted to speed. Fourth, you need alcohol to relax and constantly crave carbs and sweets. That is a, a, um, a cellular um, a signal from your body to show that you are addicted to speed. And lastly, you find it difficult to notice beauty around you. Or, you're, uh, or are numb to it. So you could be going over a bridge and you get glimpses of water, but you just don't notice. Or you walk past, you know, uh, a beautiful big jacaranda tree and don't notice the pretty purple flowers. Or you're talking to your, your child and you're not really noticing the beauty in their eyes. If you are numb to these things, you're addicted to speed. So what is the solution? Well, speed is an addiction. And if you're used to running on adrenaline, you will feel strange without it. So here are some tips to wean yourself of this haste for no apparent reason. And this is a list, again, that I live by and I coach from. One, don't do more than one thing at a time. Two, don't take call waiting. In fact, I've disabled that feature on my phone. Three, don't schedule too many meetings in a day, especially in the afternoon. Four, take at least two renewal breaks throughout the day to stretch, breathe, meditate, do push-ups, whatever it is. And a renewal break only takes between four and ten minutes. Uh, next is don't take on too much work. You need to learn to say no. There are more important things in life to take on somebody else's responsibility or somebody else's deadline because someone early on in the piece hasn't done their job right. And there are times where you need to go, uh, you know, above and beyond 
in business and in life for friends or family. But when it becomes your norm, that's when you need to say no. Lastly, take a walk after work, preferably in nature. There is something about the color green from grass, from the trees, and the mist that plants em uh, emit for our benefit. We don't often think of plants as loving and caring for human humans on this planet. But, you know, if you listen to people like Mark Bunn and read his book, you will notice that those plants are for their, our enjoyment, the color that they emit, the beauty and the mist they emit from, say, a blue gum uh, tree or a gardenia flower. Those things working in a very subtle way to reduce our blood pressure and um, wean us off this, you know, modern day affliction of speed. Look, if you're interested in reading more about the dangers of speed, I highly recommend the books of uh, by Carl Honoré, who is returning as a speaker to Upgrade Your Life in 2020. And as I said, one of my favorite people on the planet because he just loves life um, and he lives it. And uh, uh, his latest book, in fact, is... Uh, uh, is really the epitome of how he lives his uh, life. Um, and that book is called Boulder. But his two previous books, one of which is in my top 10 called In Praise of Slow and the other one called The Slow Fix. I highly recommend those to you if any of those um, telltale signs I mentioned earlier is you. Now let's move on to the bad habit number five. And the last habit you need to get rid of to be able to then move on to the, my next five habits you need to instill. And this is the last of them. And I promise you it's not easier than the other four <laughs> because I know a lot of people love doing this and it is watching TV till late for no apparent reason. And that's why I like to put add the words for no apparent reason because sometimes we are watching a movie late at night eating popcorn with our uh, you know, with our family or with our, or with our friends. You know, that's, that feeds the soul. I know popcorn's not good for you physically, but it feeds the soul emotionally. And you need to take those, um, those moments. But what about those days where you just get home and you flop in front of the TV and you just surf channels mindlessly? I know there is a surprising high percentage of adults who get too comfortable in front of the TV and who binge on TV and they use it to wind down and induce sleep. Now, this isn't something I've done, but I have coached people who are susceptible to this. Um, and uh, when I say that, I'm not big noting myself. It's making the point that some people have certain weaknesses and others don't. There are some weaknesses that I have that are uh, just not weaknesses for other people that I've even coached. So it's without judgment whatsoever. So the problem with watching TV too late for no apparent reason is twofold. Firstly, it delays your optimal going to bed sleep time, which depending on your chronotype is between 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. And if you don't know your chronotype, um, listen to my podcast with Alessandra Edwards. The second uh, problem with uh, TV too late for no apparent reason is um, the artificial light from the TV may lull your eyes to get tired, but it ironically delays the release of sleep-inducing hormone melatonin. 
because the light tricks your body clock into thinking it is still daytime. So a lot of people I know may fall asleep in front of the TV because they use it, but then they realize that they wake up an hour or two later and then they go to bed and then they just lie in bed with, you know, with their eyes wide open. Or they might fall asleep, but they never make it into deep sleep and they impair their REM sleep. And look, I'm not going to go into the importance of those two uh, sleeping patterns. Um, Apart from saying that, um, you know, these two sleep cycles detoxes the mind, the body and the emotions. It uh, neutralizes anxiety if you're a person that's always prone to mild anxiety. And deep sleep is probably the single most important potent factor for you to look uh, younger and live longer. So if you want to know more about that, uh, also listen to that same podcast that I recorded with Alessandra Edwards. Okay, so what is a simple solution to this bad habit? And it is very simple. Uh, We set an alarm to wake up. Why not set an alarm for sleep? So I, I use this meditation app called Headspace and there's another one called Calm. C-A-L-M, and they both have features which prompts you with a notification to go to bed. And in fact, my um, uh, Headspace app uh, prompts me to listen to a sleep cast, which is really the equivalent of a bedtime story. Now, don't laugh, it works. (laughs) So (laughs) it is literally a bedtime story. And so I plug in my earphones, you know, uh, before I get into bed, and I, I guarantee you, you will not off in record time. In fact, my aura ring tells me I fall asleep too fast now. I used to, you know, it used to take me 20 minutes to half an hour. I'm like out within four minutes. And I attribute it to this incredible, you know, um, uh, simple solution of setting an alarm and listening to a sleep cast or a bedtime story. And for those of you who have kids, this is a reminder of how important it is to give your children a bedtime story. On that note, thank you for listening, my friends. Um, And again, I want to remind you of the next few amazing podcasts coming up by uh, none other than Dr. Guy Winch, Carl Honoré, and a few other surprise guests who are also speaking at our next Upgrade Your Life event in 2020. So until then... Live consciously, my friends.